championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome and happy Halloween. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Well, the Lakers put a little scare into the Houston Rockets, beat them 95-85. to Nice win for the Lakers. Not necessarily the most efficient night offensively, but we did see a new starting lineup for the Lakers. I'm assuming we're going to talk quite a bit about that tonight. And the important part, again, the Lakers got the win. And really, look, it ended up being a 10-point game at the end, but it wasn't really that close. The Lakers were in control pretty much the entire game. The Rockets technically led a little bit right at the beginning of the game, but the Lakers were in command of this one the whole way through. We saw another blow-up performance by Carmelo Anthony. We got to talk a bit about him. We'll talk about the uh, the lineup with Avery Bradley in as a starter. Is that something that's here to stay or not? A lot to break down. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, Welcome in. Let's talk some Lakers basketball. Go ahead and fire off your comments. I'm going to be taking them throughout tonight. And hopefully everybody had a very safe and happy Halloween and uh, and maybe got a little bit of candy as well. Don't forget, before we dive into everything, make sure if you haven't done it, done it yet, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and turn on those notifications as well so you get notified every time we put out a new video, when we go live, all that sort of stuff. All right, let's get into some of your questions and comments. Some people talking about uh, about Austin Reeves. We will talk a little bit about him. I'm seeing some comments about how people are excited that the Lakers won. Uh, somebody said, "Why solo? Why another solo show? It's Halloween." It's Halloween. The guys are off doing stuff and everything like that. I took my daughter out trick-or-treating early. She's five. She's calling it a night early. I'm not going out to a Halloween party or anything like that. So just me and all of you tonight. Uh, some people taking issue that we use the word demolish because the Rockets didn't shoot well or anything. Well, why do you think the Rockets didn't shoot well? Think maybe the Lakers defense might have had something to do with that? Again, this was... A pretty clear game that the Lakers were in control of just about the entire way until they, you know, they took their foot off the gas pedal for a little bit in the fourth, but it was never really in doubt what was going to happen in this game. They were going to get the win. So, yes, to me, they demolished the Rockets. This was not a close contest. It was very clear who the better team was. And again, it was such a big discrepancy in terms of talent that the Lakers just defensively were able to take the Rockets out of most of what they did. 25 turnovers for the Rockets. The Lakers, again, didn't play that well offensively. 41% from the field, 30% from three, 61% from the free throw line. And they won pretty easily. The Rockets turned the ball over 25 times. The Lakers played pretty solid defense, and I think that is going to lead us into a discussion about the new starting lineup that we saw. But real quick, let's go through some of the stats from the Lakers players. You've got 16 and 13 from Anthony Davis, 16 points, 13 rebounds with one block, 7 for 17 shooting from the field. LeBron, 6 for 19 shooting, not great there. 0 of 6 from 3. He's had issues shooting threes in the last two games now since coming back. He was 1 for 10 last game, now 0 for 6 tonight, 1 for 16 combined. That's not great, but seven boards, eight assists, four steals, one block. Otherwise, doing basically LeBron James things out there on the floor. 15 points. Russell Westbrook, nice performance out of him. Nine for 22 shooting, only two turnovers, 
Uh, eight boards, nine assists, one steal. Almost got that classic Russell Westbrook triple-double. 20 points for him. Carmelo Anthony was the big story off the bench. 23 points, 8 of 14 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3. Five threes from Melo. The Lakers hit nine threes on the night. Five of them came from Carmelo Anthony. Three boards, two steals, four blocks. Four blocks is a tie, I believe, of his career high. So impressive stuff from him. Uh, somebody said, was it me or did LeBron look tired tonight? If you were watching his uh, Instagram stories, you might know a little bit of why. He, <laughs> they went to a party last night, but they were just fine. Um, Lakers were able to get this done. No problem. Uh, let's talk, let's just not bury the lead. Let's get right into the change in the starting lineup. And here's what I'm interested in. I want to see what Frank Vogel says here after the game, but the Lakers changed their starting lineup. DeAndre Jordan, no longer a starter. Instead, Avery Bradley went in for him. So what you had was Kent Bazemore. You had Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook. So three guards technically as your starters, right? But still, you've got those three. And then LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think this is your best defensive lineup alongside LeBron, AD, and, and Westbrook in terms of going with uh, going with Avery Bradley, going with uh, Kent Bazemore. That gives you a lot of versatility on the perimeter. We saw a number of times where the Rockets were having trouble with how quickly the Lakers were rotating out to them. And that was great to see. You don't see that when DeAndre Jordan is on the floor. And when this news first broke, we were still operating under the impression that Dwight Howard would be playing in this game. He was dealing with a neck injury, neck soreness, whether he slept on it funny or whatever. Um, Dwight was dealing with that. And so he wasn't able to go in this game. And so what I want to know is, was this change made? And I have a feeling this is the case. Was this change made solely because Dwight could not play? Or was this a change that was coming anyway, moving Anthony Davis to the five? Because I liked a lot of what we saw out there with AD at the five and that specific starting lineup. I think Avery Bradley is a very natural fit because he did it with these guys not long ago. And uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are used to playing with Avery Bradley starting at the two. He did it for a good chunk of a season when the Lakers won a championship. So Avery Bradley in the starting lineup kind of works in that regard, but... My concern would be that this is a one-time or a temporary change and that when Dwight Howard is healthy, the rotation will go back to DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup. I'm curious what Frank Vogel has to say about it. I do like the Anthony Davis at the five lineup. I do like Avery Bradley in there. You notice how the Lakers were forcing turnovers. They were getting out in transition. You've got a team that has so much defensive potential, so much potential to cause turnovers and get out and run. We've talked all about how good of a transition team they can be. You can't do that if you're taking the ball out of your own basket. That's a challenge. And so if you are able to turn the ball over, you're able to force turnovers on the other team, get a live ball and get out and run, which I think you are better able to do with the smaller lineup with AD at the five, that can really play into your strengths. So I'm hoping this is something that is here to stay. But again, my fear is that it was only because of Dwight being out because what the Lakers couldn't do when Dwight went out was they really couldn't run two bigs at the same time for very long you couldn't really have DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis on the floor at the same time very much you had to make sure you staggered them at least a little bit so you always had at least one big out there when Dwight's in the rotation you can put DeAndre Jordan on the floor with AD and then Dwight's going to be the guy to come in to start the second quarter 
DeAndre Jordan basically just took over those Dwight Howard minutes in this game, and the Lakers went smaller with the starting lineup. Uh, again, though, I thought it was really successful. I liked what we saw out of the Lakers, and I'm hoping that this is something that is here to stay, even if it's even if it's not right now. Maybe when THT comes back, Kendrick Nunn comes back, maybe at that point we can start adding in the extra wing and going that way because I really liked the versatility that the smaller lineup provided. Let's see. Let me get into some of your questions and comments here. Uh, Nick Krause said, Trevor, who do you think will be out of the lineup once everyone is healthy? Um, it, it really is going to depend on who's playing well. We saw Malik Monk was out of the lineup last game because he wasn't doing things that he needed to do on the defensive end of the floor. I think Frank Vogel has hit that point where, hey, if you're not playing defense, you're not going to be in the game. So I'm curious to see who can kind of step up and, and reach the bar in, in that regard. But overall, I think that the Lakers right now, you're going to see some guys that are part of the rotation not be part of it in a few weeks once players start to come back. Who that is, we're going to have to wait and see. My guess, I mean... I feel like it's probably got to be DeAndre Jordan because I think you're going to have more wing talent and then you could take advantage of that by adding more players in there on the wings. THT, right now you don't have that many other wing players to turn to to really capitalize on going smaller with Anthony Davis at the five. I think when THT comes back, Kendrick Nunn comes back, especially when Trevor Ariza comes back as well, you've got enough depth on the wing. You've got enough talent there now to where AD at the five makes even more sense. And we saw the blueprint for why it can work. I mean, look at the offensive end. Part of this is the Rockets are a bad team. But what were the Lakers getting in the first quarter offensively? Shots at the rim and corner threes. You can't ask for anything better than that. And why was that? It was because of the floor spacing that they had. The Rockets, you had floor spacers on either side. So the Rockets, when they did try to suck into the paint, you had Avery Bradley on one side spotting up. Kent Bazemore on the other, both of them capable of hitting that corner three, and the Lakers were able to really take it to the Rockets because of that spacing. They knock a few down. Okay, the Rockets have to come out and cover. Next thing you know, things are opening up at the rim. It makes a big difference spacing-wise when you don't have that extra big on the floor with AD. Benjamin said, if you are correct, the Super Chat, thank you, said, if you are correct uh, about AD at the five, why isn't Vogel seeing it? Um, look, Vogel is, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that, oh, this stuff is so obvious, right? Why doesn't Frank Vogel get it? He must be a dummy. He doesn't understand these things. There's more to the decisions that Frank Vogel makes and doesn't make than just what we look at, right? We're, we're taking the, the wide view of this. We're looking at this from afar. Frank Vogel, when they're in these discussions, it's not just... When the coaching staff is looking at these things, it's not just, hey, this player is better than this player. This lineup works great. It's also a domino effect of what does that mean for the rest of our rotation? What does that mean for this guy? Is that going to maximize this player? Are we then going to get less out of somebody else? There's a lot of factors that have to go into the decision making there. So it's not just what we tend to see, which is this guy's better than this guy. Therefore, this guy should be playing more. It's much more nuanced than that. And I think sometimes we overlook that and the things that seem obvious to us may have some other reasons behind why they're they're happening that we're maybe not considering. So just something to keep in mind. Frank Vogel, I think, and this is my, my own personal thoughts, I've said it for a while, I think the plan was to start AD at the five 
And then when THT and Ariza got injured, they pulled the plug on that and said, okay, well, let's go back to having a big because we no longer have the guys we wanted on the wing to really capitalize on AD at the five anyway. Maybe Avery Bradley has made a case to where he can be that guy for the next few weeks. And then when THT comes back, maybe he's in there. Maybe Kendrick Nunn. Maybe it's somebody like that. But I think that the injuries really threw a wrench into whatever plans the Lakers had. And they had to scrap it and kind of scramble from there. So I think that's what we've seen for the first couple of weeks here of the season. Uh, Tanner Canis with a super chat. Thank you. So the Lakers have been looking decent these last couple of games. Do you think that provides false hope for fans given the teams they've been playing? Or uh, is this what we can start to expect? No, I think that it's a few things that are that are coming into play here. Part of it, yeah, it would be, it would be incorrect if we said, they're playing top tier teams and they're blowing them out or, or they made a top tier team turn the ball over 25 times. No, the Rockets are a bad team. The Rockets are a bad team. And that is 100% a factor here. The Cavs are trying to be good, but they're not a great team. They're better than I thought they were, but they're not a great team either. So we have to consider who the opposition is. But I also think there's reason for optimism because we also know that as the season goes on, the Lakers are going to get better. They're going to improve. The chemistry is going to get better. Russell Westbrook has a history of getting better as the season goes on, of figuring things out. And we know that he's going to learn how to play with the Lakers players, just like they're going to learn how to play with him. So while I think it's important that we do recognize the quality of the competition has gone down the last few games, I also think it's okay to say, well, the, the Lakers have also just looked a little bit better at what they're doing, and that should be expected. That should be expected when you have a group that's very, very new Week by week, you should see improvement. It would be weird if we didn't see them getting better at this point. It would be alarming if we didn't see that. So I do think that the Lakers are indeed getting better. I don't think it's false hope. I think that this can still be a very good team. And I think that two months from now, they're going to look a lot better than they look right now. It's a growing process. It's going to take time. But I think we are seeing steps being taken. All right, Don uh, Teco from YouTube said, 80s body language is awful. You know what? This game, because the Lakers were, they were in command for such a long time, I wasn't as upset with Anthony Davis's body language. If he was a little bit sluggish, okay. Uh, but it wasn't quite as noticeable to me as it was last game against the Cavs, where it was the first two and a half quarters or so that he really looked kind of disinterested. In this one, I thought he was a little bit, better uh especially early on in the game but sometimes he has those games sometimes he has those games where you look at anthony davis and you go man what what's happening here like like why why are you so sad right now and then other games he comes out and he's fired up and he's got energy and he's and he's you know he's a monster so this game it wasn't necessarily his highest energy game but i didn't think it was quite as bad as the last game against the Cavs could just be that the Cavs game was a little bit closer early on whereas this game against the Rockets it really felt like okay this is just be professional go out there do your thing get the win let's move on and they actually play the Rockets again on Tuesday I can say I think Tuesday they're going to have to be sharper because I don't think the Rockets are going to turn the ball over 25 times again they're a young team they're not a good team. They will they will commit a lot of turnovers, but I think the Lakers' offense is going to have to be better. That's something that they're going to look at. They can't shoot low 40% from the field, low 30% from three, and win a lot of games that way. Their defense was good enough, I thought, tonight to hold the Rockets, but they do have to work a little bit on that offensive execution.
Uh, somebody asked, when is Kendrick Nunn coming back? So Kendrick Nunn is, uh, is supposed to be back in, I believe, two-ish weeks. That's, and I shouldn't say back. Let me, let me back that up. That's when he's being reevaluated. Okay, now keep in mind, the word reevaluated does not mean return. Reevaluated means they're, they're going to check. There'll be another scan. They'll check to see how the bone bruise is healing. It's possible they go in and they go, oh, okay, cool. You're all good. And he gets back out on the court. The Lakers let him get into some practices and then they start playing him games again. It's also possible they say, well, you're close, but not fully healed. You need a little bit more time. So that's when he's being reevaluated. That doesn't mean when he's going to be back. Same thing with Taylor Horton Tucker. We're probably a few weeks right now, but it depends on how things look when they do go in to reevaluate. All right. So that's what we're all going to be holding our breath for. Hopefully they get a clean bill of health when they do get reevaluated and then they can return to practice because you don't want to take a player they return, they're healthy, and then you just push them right into the deep end and say, okay, here you go, you're in a game. No, you want to have them get a little bit of run in practice, get their legs under them a little bit before you do put them on the floor. But don't get me wrong, I'm anxious too. I am anxious to see these guys out there to finally see the full team because it feels like this is almost like a teaser. We're getting to see a little bit of the Lakers, but we're not getting to see them play as they were constructed to play because so many guys have been out. And I guess, truthfully, we won't really get to see that until Trevor Reza is back probably a couple of months, maybe six weeks, something like that, till we see uh, Ariza back. But it still feels like something is missing from this Lakers team because it is. Kendrick Nunn's missing. THT's missing. The fourth and fifth highest paid player on the Lakers are both out of action right now and both coming back within the next few weeks, hopefully. Fingers crossed. All right, let's get into our first award of the night. Let's get into that. Let's go to the 360 award. So of the Lakers stars, three, six, and zero, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, which one was best on the night? Chat, let me know what you think. If you're coming in from YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Fire it off. Let me know. Who do you think out of that group, those three players, was the best tonight? Again, to get into some of the stats on the night, LeBron James, 6 for 19 shooting, 7 boards, 8 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, 15 points. Anthony Davis, 16 points, 13 rebounds. Like that. 1 block, 7 for 17 shooting, 2 of 2 from the line. Russell Westbrook, 9 for 22, 8 boards, 9 assists, 1 steal, 20 points two threes out of four attempts. I'm going Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook, it's ironic because he's actually been the master lock of the night a few times already. But tonight, let's give credit where credit is due. I thought Russ was good. Aside from a few moments where there's 16 seconds left on the clock and he takes a 15-footer, driving me a little bit crazy with those. But again, 9 of 22, I can't complain too much when he produces like this. He's a plus 25 on the night, a team high plus 25. And I felt there were moments where the Lakers really started to take their foot off the gas. And Russ said, uh-uh, that's not happening. And he really pushed down, brought the energy, and brought everybody else up with him. And that's exactly what we were hoping to see with Russell Westbrook coming to the Lakers, that he was going to be the guy that on a random night, maybe a night where guys are a little bit extra tired, I don't know what activities were going on last night, but guys are a little bit extra tired. Russ is going to be that guy to say, no, I'm I'm going to get us through this. Everybody come with me. Match my energy level. Let's go. We're going to win this thing because I'm not going to accept 
losing. I'm not going to take nights off. I'm going to give everything I've got every single night. And so I think that Russell Westbrook, not just in terms of his production, which again was good, two turnovers, that's a big development for him if he can continue. Only four turnovers in the last game as well. Keep those turnovers down. If he can keep doing that, that's going to be great. And then just in terms of leadership, in terms of energy, bringing everybody else along with him, I thought Russ was a factor there as well. And looking at the chat, I'm seeing a lot of people that are agreeing with me on that, I'm picking, um, I'm picking Russell Westbrook. All right, let's get into a few of your questions and comments. We will get to another award in just a bit. Look, there are. Somebody said, hey, Trevor, why do you think Russ tends to blow a decent amount of open slash easy lands? You know, I, I think part of it is he gets going so fast that when he does explode to the basket and try to lay, lay the ball in, you really have to decrease the acceleration on that ball in order for it to go off the backboard softly and into the basket. There's a, a certain touch you have to have, and he's not great at that. But again, on a night like tonight, I can't be too upset with Russell Westbrook. We know there's going to be some times where he's going to miss some shots at the rim. But for the most part, I think he did a really nice job tonight. And he missed a few, but he also made a few. And there was a point where the Rockets were actually starting to come back. They went on a 21-4 run in the fourth. And Russ got the ball, attacked, scored on, on a layup, got an and one. It was great. It was a great performance from him and uh, pretty much what we've been looking to see. If we see the Russell Westbrook that we've seen the last two nights for the rest of the season, Lakers are looking pretty good, right? This is kind of what we were hoping to see out of Russell Westbrook. I think he's even been a little bit more careful with the ball and with his hit-ahead passes, and that's been cutting down on turnovers. Man, if we can just eliminate some of those early shot clock pull-up jumpers, Russ, you're open for a reason. You eliminate some of those, and the Lakers are in business. The Lakers are in business. You've got three legit all-star and above caliber players here. Uh, Lords of the Sky said, hey, Trevor, can you add a play of the night award? Yeah, that may be something that we need to add in. We may need to add in a play of the night award. And I'll just start thinking about that, what my favorite play of the night was on this one. Uh, Alan Barnhart from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, Mello with a big night on both sides of the ball, two steals and four blocks. Think Frank has made defense a must for playing time or just a lucky night on defense? Uh, no, you know what? I, I noticed a lot of effort on the defensive end from Carmelo Anthony. And again, let's give credit where credit is due, right? Carmelo Anthony, he's got a reputation for not being great defensively. And if you look at his lateral foot speed, you can see why. There's times teams will exploit him. The Cavs exploited him a little bit last game defensively, but his offense was so good that it didn't matter. Tonight, I thought his timing was terrific especially on again those four blocks tying a career high tremendous stuff from him there and then the offensive end was really good as well in fact i think you can argue that even though he's had some higher scoring games this was probably the most all around excellent game that we've seen from carmelo anthony 8 of 14 shooting 5 of 8 from 3 four blocks two steals Three boards, two of four at the line. That's uncharacteristic. He is a very good free throw shooter. 23 points for Carmelo Anthony. He was great. He was great tonight for the Lakers. He's been very good the last few games. He really feeds off the home crowd. I loved what we saw. No surprise here. He's my next man up. He's my next man up. I know usually I don't get to that till later on in the show, but let's just say it. I mean, it, it's clear. It's obvious. It's Carmelo Anthony. He's the next man up. Again, I think this was his best performance as a Laker in terms of 
both offense and defense. I don't know what that means moving forward defensively. Are we really going to expect this out of him on a nightly basis? We'll see. But so far, I thought tonight was a very solid defensive performance from him. And hopefully we do start to see that. Hopefully he does start to adjust to Frank Vogel's system and, and can provide solid defense as well as stellar offense because that's where he's really going to make a difference is on the offensive end of the floor. When he has nights like this, shooting the ball, yeah, he can really make an impact, particularly off that bench. Uh, Kevin Winston, Vogel and 360 deserve huge credit for their defense. Yeah, I mean, we saw some of the stars really kind of setting the tone, but I also think part of that is Avery Bradley and Kent Bazemore. Uh, Frank Vogel said it after the last game, said that Avery Bradley's defense is infectious, and it absolutely is. He's the kind of guy where he's flying around all over the place and it makes everybody else do the same thing. It's hard. You don't want to be shown up when you're on the floor and you're playing with Avery Bradley and he's everywhere and he's constantly defending his man, giving 150% all the time. It's going to really stand out if you aren't, right? It's going to stand out if you aren't matching that. And so he raises that level of intensity on the defensive end of the floor for everybody. So it was really a number of guys, I thought, that contributed to the defensive end of the floor for the Lakers. And again, I really like what we see defensively out of the smaller unit. Now, we'll see. Maybe that changes when they play against a team that's got a better big in there. Christian Wood, look, I like him a lot, but he's not going to punish you at the rim. Nikola Jokic absolutely will, right? So there's some other guys in the NBA that might be able to exploit a smaller Lakers lineup, and I'm curious to see what they do there. But tonight... I thought the new look starting lineup was pretty good, and I would like to see more of it. Uh, Jason Gremling from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, Do we need to be concerned that the Lakers blew a 26-point lead to a bad OKC team and almost blew a 30-point lead to a bad Houston team? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not too concerned in this case just because of the circumstances. This game... They started to blow the lead in the third quarter, and then they came back, and they pushed the lead back up. And then when it was really clear the game was done, that's when the Rockets started to catch up. And look, Frank Vogel, he had to put the, the starters back in. That wasn't great. Seeing LeBron come in towards the end of what should have been a 15 to 18 point lead instead. It had been cut to, I think, 12 or 13. So that part may be a little bit concerning, but... Given the circumstances, it's Halloween. It was pretty clear the game was over. Um, the Lakers, their defense really let up. They were just trying to do just enough to carry this game across the finish line and not have to really exert themselves too much in the second half. So I'm not as worried about this as I am about the OKC game where it was the start of the third. They let down. They tried to push back and couldn't do it. In this game, you could see them start to take their foot off the gas and then they went, oh, wait, wait. And they snapped out of it and they said, yeah, we can't do this. And then they went again and started scoring, pushed the lead back up. And then by the time it was really over in the fourth, they let the Rockets keep creep a little bit closer. I'm less concerned about tonight than what we saw in OKC. Somebody said LeBron uh, time travel, uh, Silas Davila. Yeah, if you saw that picture that's going around, there's a picture of LeBron and behind him in, in the crowd, it looks like LeBron. He's wearing a hat and like a brown jacket or something. And it looks like it's LeBron sitting in the crowd watching LeBron, spooky that it's happening on Halloween, but people are saying it's time traveler LeBron coming back in time to watch himself play or something like that. Just a funny picture. You guys will have to find it if you haven't seen it. 
Uh, somebody asking if we can sign James Ennis. Can the Lakers still sign James Ennis? No, they gave their 15th roster spot to Avery Bradley, so they no longer have an open roster spot for him. If Rob Polinka wakes up tomorrow and says, James Ennis, if we sign him, we're winning a championship. We must have him. Uh, it, they could waive somebody. They could waive They could waive Avery Bradley if they wanted to. He's on a non-guaranteed deal. Austin Reeves' deal is non-guaranteed. You could waive him. You could waive somebody with a guaranteed contract if you want to pay the full amount if you really had to free a roster spot. But those are very, very unlikely things to happen at this moment. Most likely, um, the Lakers will not be signing James Ennis. Uh, Andre, what would you need to see to add Mello to the 360 award? So, in other words, are we calling... Uh, and then the second question right after William Myers said, if and only if Mello can keep his game playing level where it's at, or maybe even better, do you think it'll be time to consider that we have a big four? There's been some good games so far from Carmelo Anthony, but we are now, what, seven games into the season? I'm not ready to make that, that change just yet. And look, it's not me hating on Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has been great, and you can argue that he's played at a superstar level, especially the last couple of games. He also had another one early in the season where he went for like 28 points, and he was playing at a superstar level on that one as well. But part of what I've admired the most about Carmelo Anthony was that everybody was questioning, can he be a role player? And there was a lot of doubt about that. People said he's not going to be able to accept that. He's not going to be able to transition from being a star to being a role player right? Dwight Howard made that transition. It's not an easy one. Vince Carter did it. Some players can't. Some players are not able to do that and their careers end prematurely because they don't want to be a role player. They've spent their whole life being the guy and to suddenly not be the guy anymore. Instead, just be a guy, just be another guy coming off the bench. It's a tough transition to make. And Carmelo Anthony, for to his credit, he proved it with Portland that he could do that, that he could take kind of a back seat that he could do what the team needed him to do in order to win games. And that didn't mean starting. That didn't mean being the go-to scorer. That didn't mean being the guy that was going to have the raw offense run through him. And that's a big step for Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. So I don't want to erase that and just start calling him a superstar. He's been playing great, and we'll see. Maybe part of the way through the season, if he continues to do this all season long, maybe we do have to switch that up. But I think it's a little premature at this point. And I don't want to diminish the incredible transition that he made to being a role player because I think that was so impressive. Now, I've, I've never seen anybody do it, go from being a star to be a role player to go back to being a star. If Carmelo Anthony does it, that, that's going to be a hell of a story. But I think it's a little premature to start saying that he is going to be a star on this team moving forward. Uh, Sean Leonard from YouTube said, looks like Bradley's excellent play will cause a tough roster decision. Who's at risk to keep Bradley around? You mean cutting somebody to keep Bradley? I mean, he's got a roster spot right now. He's got the 15th roster spot. So they don't have to cut anybody in order to, to keep him. Uh, I think there is a potential issue that's that could come up. I mean, what it's we're hours away from November, so we still have a long ways to go. But in theory, let's say everybody stays healthy and everybody's continuing to perform well. Everybody's doing great. 
in March or so, when the buyout market starts to heat up, then what do you do? Because remember, the Lakers weren't going to use their 15th roster spot. They were going to save that for the buyout market. Instead, they said, you know what? We've suffered so many injuries early. We need somebody else. Go get Avery Bradley. He knows how to run the system. We know he's going to defend like crazy. Let's bring him in. And so they did. But now what happens when the buyout market hits? What if Avery Bradley continues to cement his standing on this team? Let's say the Lakers stick with the small ball lineup and Avery Bradley is in it. Then what happens come March? That's It's a bridge to cross when we get there, though. We're a long ways away from that point. At this moment, there's no conflict. There's nothing to worry about right now. That's the only potential issue off in the distance that's heading towards the Lakers. And who knows what things are going to look like by then. So it's nothing to worry about at the moment. Uh, Trip Tom, who else is excited for THT to come back? I absolutely am. I absolutely am excited for THT to come back. He's a guy that I was really, really excited to see what he had added to his game because he's a guy whose growth potential is so great. His ceiling is so high. I thought we started to see the three-point shot come along in preseason. And that's a tiny sample size, so I don't want to say it's there. don't want to say it's a definite that his three-point shot is better. But if it does get better, if it does improve, he could really be a tough guy to stop on the offensive end of the floor. And then we know the defensive potential, 6'4", 7'1", wingspan. I've said it so many times, but his defense defensive potential is very, very high as well. So I'm really excited to see him come back and see what that does to the Lakers rotation. Um, I'm going to take a look at some of the post-game quotes here real quick that are coming in and see if there's any sort of... Um, any sort of uh, quotes by Vogel addressing the change in the lineup. Okay, so Vogel apparently said that the way Houston plays allowed them to try out AD at center lineups, something we want to look at as a starting group. Wow. That's, um, that's a good sign. If you're like me and you're a fan of the smaller lineup, that is a very positive quote because he didn't say it's because Dwight was out, right? He didn't say it's because Dwight was out. He said the way Houston plays allowed us to try this out. That suggests that maybe this was the plan before Dwight was out, that maybe the plan was to run this smaller lineup all along. That's encouraging. And I think based on the results we saw tonight, it's something they should continue to stick with. Uh, Bob Bill said, Trevor, does none provide anything that Monk doesn't? Yes, I think that Monk is a better defender, which isn't saying a lot. Um, none's a better defender than Monk. Uh, isn't saying a lot because Monk is not a good defender. We saw it last game. He played, what, four or five minutes and got benched because he got burned so many times defensively. Monk is a good player. I like Malik Monk. I like what he can bring you on the offensive end. I thought tonight there were too many times where the Lakers gave him the ball in isolation situations and said, here, go, create something. He's a bit better as a secondary creator. So one player, let's say Russ drives into the paint, collapses the defense, kicks out. Malik Monk is a guy who can do things with the ball then in that scenario. He's the guy you kick it out to because he's enough of a threat behind the arc. He can knock in the standstill three, but he's also good enough off the dribble to attack the closeout, put the ball on the ground and attack the closeout. Uh, but just giving him the ball and saying, here, go create against a set offense. That's probably asking a little bit too much of him. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is 
is like uh, like Monk. He's not very big. So he's not big. He's a score first guard, has a little bit more point guard skill. I think he is a bit better defender. I wouldn't call him a great defender, but he's a bit better defensively than Monk is. Um, he's a little bit craftier in terms of getting into the paint and attacking there. And so I'm curious to see what he can bring in that regard. Monk is more of Monk is more of a shooter. Like Monk is essentially a two, right? If we're looking at, at skill sets, Monk is a two, whereas Nunn is more of a score-first point guard, and there's a difference. There's a difference. Nunn is a point guard, but he's a score-first guy. Monk plays more like a two, and I hope that, that makes sense. Uh, James Lopez. Bradley is better than Bazemore. Who wins? Sleeve <laughs> is Bradley better than Bazemore? Who wins? Sleeva versus Trevor one on one. You know what? I think that uh, Bazemore and Bradley are both pretty darn close to each other. You saw some good and bad from Kent Bazemore tonight. You saw. I've been talking about it. He when he attacks the basket, it's a bit of an adventure. Okay. Uh, when he does that, it's a bit of an adventure. But he can also hit those corner threes defensively. They both bring a lot of energy. They're similar players in that sense, but I'm not ready to say one is definitively better than the other. I think they actually complement each other very well just with their similarities because they bring so much energy on the defensive end of the floor and they can both shoot decently well from outside, enough to where the defense actually has to care about them being out there. Uh, who wins? Alan Sliwa versus Trevor one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know. At some point, we'll actually have to, um, we'll have to play that game, but haven't done it yet. Some point though, we'll have to. Uh, guys, look, I I see the comments coming in, saying, and I see there's a, a huge super chat in here. Look, I I certainly appreciate it, but I see the comments coming in asking me to have certain people come on the channel. That's not really the way to go about it, right? Like just hitting my chat up a bunch of times saying this person needs to be on your show. Da 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 da. da. Like that's fine. I'll, I'll take the recommendations, but. It's, that doesn't mean that I'm just going to automatically bring someone on my show, right? So keep that in mind. I appreciate all the comments and the recommendations and everything. I certainly take those things into consideration, but it's not, you're not going to like super chat your way into getting someone to come on my show. That's just, that's not how it works. All right. Somebody said Trevor Lane is better than Malik Monk. I promise you I'm not. I promise you I'm not better than Malik Monk. Malik Monk is a very good player. He's a very good player. Uh, Monk is a shooter. Yeah, look, look, Monk is a guy who can shoot the ball very, very well from outside. Over 40% from three last season. Very young, still a lot of upside. So that's what I see in Malik Monk. I do wonder, can he get his defense to the level where Frank Vogel can play him consistently? Because if he can, I still think he can help offensively. Look, we saw some really good things out of, out of Malik Monk in the first few games of the season, especially in preseason as well. It's just been a rough go the last few. But 
stick with him. Stick with him. I think he's going to be good. Somebody said, okay, Anthony from YouTube said, can we get Eric Gordon? So I tweeted this out. I said, Eric Gordon is hitting come trade for me threes, right? Eric Gordon, there's no, there's no secret about the fact that he's very available. The Rockets would love to trade him. They just want to get something of value in return. And let me pull this up right now so I can see a salary. You guys have to keep in mind that when there's a trade being made in the NBA, You've got to be able to match salaries, particularly with a team like the Lakers. So Eric Gordon's making $18.2 million this season. That's a lot. So understand that in order to trade for him, what would the Lakers have to do? Let's see. Well, you can't trade AD, LeBron, or Russell Westbrook for him. So your next highest paid player is Taylor Horton Tucker, who's coming in right around 11-ish million. You would have to part with Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn in order to trade for Eric Gordon or THT and stack up a bunch of the veteran minimum guys. Do you want to do that? No. The only way the Lakers get Eric Gordon is if he's bought out. If he's bought out, then maybe they could pick him up on the buyout market if they have an open roster spot at the time. But I don't think the Rockets want to go down that path. The Rockets, they see the need for shooting around the NBA, and they're going to um, do what they can to get something for him rather than just buy him out. We'll see. Maybe that changes around the deadline. But Eric Gordon, oh, Eric Gordon, $18.2 million this season, $19.5 million next season. And then the season after that, he's got a $20.9 million deal. Now, it's not fully guaranteed. I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as how much of it is guaranteed for that season. Um, oh, 2023 is not guaranteed. So that's entirely non-guaranteed. So really, he has this year and next year. That's still a lot that's um, that's trying to, to be bought out. That's a lot of money to try to buy out across multiple seasons. Would the Rockets really want to take that hit? Depends. How much is he given back? A lot of factors at play there. So I wouldn't assume that Eric Gordon's going to become a Laker anytime soon. It'd be very complicated to try to get that done. All right. Justin Evans said, Trevor, I know I'm late, but please, please talk about Russ not playing any defense. He just hangs around the rim. Um, and watch the ball, watch the ball get passed to his guy to make it worse. He doesn't box out. Uh, Russ is a guy who has relied on his leaping ability to rebound the ball over technique, over box outs and things like that. Sometimes he relies on that a little bit too much. But I didn't think tonight was a night to be too upset with Russ's defense. He made some good plays, was able to step into some passing lanes and things of that uh, that nature. He's not a guy where we look at him and we say, this is a defensive dynamo. This is, this is Drew Holiday. He's going to come in and really help lock down the guard position. No, that's not what he is. That's not where he provides value. What you're trying to get from him is just average. If you can just get average defense... Then you're pretty happy with what you than what you would have out of Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's been below average for the last few seasons. Can he get back up to average in Frank Vogel's system? Maybe we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think tonight was a night where his defense was as bad. It's been worse. Let me put it that way. His defense has been worse. That tonight it was okay, not great, but it was okay. This is another thing. Somebody mentioned Reeves played bad. Yeah, 
Austin Reeves, three turnovers tonight, and some of them were not great. I did like his one basket, two points. His one basket was a nice drive to the hoop where he absorbed contact and then still finished. You notice LeBron hit him on that fast break, and he just could not finish, wound up turning the ball over, tried to kick it back out. I'm wondering, does Austin Reeves dunk? We haven't seen it yet. I'm sure he can. He's 6'5". I'm sure he can dunk, but we haven't seen it yet. And he's a little bit timid when he's attacking the basket. He's a little bit worried about his shot getting blocked. That's part of why it was so good to see him actually absorb contact at the rim and then finish. That's a part of his game that I would like to see a bit more of. Tonight wasn't a great night for him. But again, we kind of knew that there would be off nights. And I feel like that was just what happened tonight. Three turnovers wasn't great. But uh, two points was still a plus five in terms of plus minus. Didn't kill the Lakers or anything like that. But just wasn't quite as good as we've seen him in past games. Not something I'm going to worry about at this point. I thought he was fine overall. Uh, AD's three-point shot a bit short and concerning. Kevin Winston with a super chat. Appreciate it. Uh, AD's three-point shot, yeah, look, it's something that you really need him. And I'll pull stats after this game. We need to see AD really hitting the mid-range shot as well as the three. And as of right now, if I'm looking at, at his stats, I don't know... Okay, this has six games in, so missing tonight's game. He's only at 18, 19% from three. And then tonight, he didn't shoot well from three either. Uh, if you remember last season, heading in, Frank Vogel challenged him last season to shoot at least five three-pointers per game. And instead, I think he shot less than the season before, and he shot a terrible percentage. It is something to watch going forward. We talk all about the floor spacing with Anthony Davis at the five. But if he can't shoot the three some of that floor spacing goes away. Right now, teams are still a little bit concerned about him behind the arc because, hey, it's Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis is standing out there. I better go guard him, okay? That's kind of the sentiment from defenses right now. But if this continues to be a thing where he's shooting 18% or so from three for the season, he was 0 for 1 tonight, uh, teams will stop guarding him out there. And then you lose some of that spacing that you get from running him at the five. So it is something to be concerned about, but seven games in, I know I say it all the time, but that's a small sample size to where we may see a hot streak shooting coming, but I understand why there's even more concern because he shot poorly from three last season. We haven't seen him shoot well from three until from two seasons ago, which was only a little over a calendar year ago, but that was really the last time was when they won the NBA championship that we saw him shoot well from three. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. You're not hitting the panic button just yet or anything like that, but Something to watch. Anthony Davis' three-point shooting, does it improve? Does it get back up to speed? All right, Mr. Easley, do you think Russ is playable in the playoffs? Teams will allow him to shoot and pack the paint. How could we adjust to this? Well, a lot of that is, is attacking the basket, right? Getting to the rim. And even when a team is giving you, and this is where... I don't like seeing Russ settle for these 15-footers. What Russ is doing is he's taking 15 to 20-footers when there's 16, 17 seconds on the clock. Why? Why take that shot? You're open because the defense wants you to shoot that. So why take a shot the defense wants you to shoot until you've exhausted everything else? If there's three seconds on the clock, then shoot it. Absolutely shoot that shot, right? But if there's not, then really, if there's 17 seconds on the clock, say, and you take that mid-range shot... You're rewarding the defense. Instead, what you want to see is Russ just putting his head down and attacking the basket because that's really where he's at his best. When Russ is attacking the basket, you have a much better chance if he does miss, 
at getting that offensive rebound because the ball is going to come off softly and you've got Anthony Davis. Well, not that soft, but it's not going to go flying off the rim the way some of the, you know, the bricks that he puts up from 20 feet do. So when he is attacking the basket, you can sometimes pull over an extra defender, a big, and then you get the Kobe assist, right? Where Russ puts the ball up, just gets it on the backboard, and then you have Anthony Davis, you have Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, somebody right there to clean it up and then finish. Whereas you don't get that. A lot of the times when Russ is taking the 15 to 20 footer, he misses it, it bounces hard off the rim, and you don't have the bigs getting the board. Instead, it's that mid-range guy that's getting the rebound. It's a wing or it's a guard. And then they're running the break the other way. And that's one of the issues I've got with that shot. And with teams giving him the three, it's a matter of forcing the issue. Attacking the basket regardless. Hey, you're going to pack the paint. That's fine. I'm still going to get into the teeth of the defense. I'm going to use the fact that I'm faster than everybody else. I'm going to get in there and then I'm going to kick out to some open shooters or I'm going to go up and I'm going to get fouled or I'm going to go up. I'm going to get the ball up on the rim and I'm going to get my teammates opportunities on the offensive glass. I'd rather see those scenarios play out than Russ just settling and taking that open shot. That said, he shot well from three tonight, shot well from three in their last game too. It was one for one the previous game, two for four in this one, three for five in his last five three-point shots. Pretty good. But again, that's a small sample size. Russ has a long history of being a poor three-point shooter. Those shots will continue to be given to him. It's a matter of being a little bit more selective if you're Russell Westbrook. All right, we do need to get into the master lock of the night. We need to get into that. And I'm going to say, I am, because this was a win and it was a controlling win, it's hard thinking of a master lock, but I have one play in particular that I think is very master lock worthy. So Lakers Nation, let me know what you guys think. What is or who should be master locked tonight? I'm curious to see what you guys come up with in the chat. I've got some people saying Reeves, some people saying the refs. Someone said, oh man, is that a Cowboys cup? Yes, I've talked about this on there on here before. My wife is a Cowboys fan and, uh, and so we've got a, a Cowboys cup here. Someone says, Master Lock, Kevin Porter Jr. for getting the technical. So what I'm going to Master Lock, and I'm seeing some good, um, <laughs> good suggestions here. Master Lock, the reps. I'm going to Master... Oh, Master Lock, Baysmore for that layup. Whew, that was a bad one. <laughs> it's a really bad one. But my Master Lock instead is going to one particular play. We were robbed of a highlight. What happened? LeBron James attacks the basket, gets spun around, gets fouled, gets spun around, flings it backwards over his head. If you remember back in the day, Kobe used to shoot this shot every once in a while. He would attack, get spun in midair, throw the ball up over his head, occasionally make that one. LeBron did this, whistle, throws the ball up, makes the shot, and the referees say no. The referees say no. And I need to specify here, I've been really happy with NBA officiating this year, getting rid of the ridiculous free throw attempts. You know what I'm talking about. The Trey Young fouls, the James Harden fouls, things like that. Seeing those cut down, that not only was unpleasant to watch, that was embarrassing for the NBA around the world. When you see how other, other countries officiate the games, when you see how the Olympics officiate the game, and then you see the kind of just ridiculous contorting that NBA players were doing in order to get the whistle to blow, it was, it was exploiting a rule. It was exploiting a loophole, but it was not in the spirit of the game. So I'm so glad to see that that's been taken out. But I think 
something has changed with the way they're calling and ones. Uh, there was a, a game of, a few games ago. Anthony Davis had two and ones taken away from him that I thought were very deserving. This play, again, very deserving. LeBron James had picked up his dribble. It was all one motion. Gets fouled as he spins. He throws the ball up. It goes in. That's an and one. And he did not get it, so the basket didn't even count. We got robbed of a great, great LeBron highlight. And uh, unfortunately, we'll go into the record books as not having even had occurred. Terrible stuff. And so that moment is getting the master lock for me. I've got some people agreeing with me. Some people saying refs getting the master lock. Look, it's really just the one play. Somebody said... Somebody asked me if I watched LeBron make the logo three the other night. Of course I did. That was a fantastic shot. That was incredible. That was in the last, what is it, 16 attempts? That's the only three LeBron has made in his last 16. Has been the three that he shot from Inglewood. Go figure. Go figure. Uh, somebody asking for Wayne Ellington news. I haven't seen much. From what the Lakers have said, they wanted him to get back into practice before they were going to put him on the floor. He's been healthy for a few games. I think it's three games now that he's been technically on the active roster. Like he could, he was suited up. He could go in. But Frank Vogel said, I'm not going to put him in unless he's been through practice. I wonder, because I've been talking about this for a while, how much of it is we're not going to play Wayne Ellington that much, right? When the Lakers are having defensive concerns and Frank Vogel has been very frustrated, frustrated with the defense, Wayne Ellington is not going to help that. Putting in Wayne Ellington is not going to help your defense at all. Instead, that's going to continue to hurt your defense. That's going to perpetuate the problem. And it's, that's not, I don't dislike Wayne Ellington. He's got a long career being a good shooter. He's not a good defender though. I think it comes down to Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington. Which one of those guys is going to be in your rotation? Because it's not going to be both. You can't put them on the floor together. They both have two similar strengths and weaknesses to where you're going to get burned defensively if you have them both on the floor at the same time. So I haven't seen anything else specific, but I haven't gone into a lot of the post-game comments just yet. So I'm going to have to get into that stuff. Otherwise, from what we know, Wayne Ellington, the Lakers have been saying, we're not putting him in until he practices. But I'm starting to wonder how much of it is just we're going a different direction. We're focusing on defense right now, and that's just not really what he provides. Somebody asked, when are the Lakers going to wear the black Mamba uniforms? The NBA actually has a site that shows you what uniforms teams are wearing for every single game, which is pretty cool. Um, but they are not scheduled to wear that uniform this year. There is a different city or whatever addition. They always change the names, but whatever the alternate jersey is, it's going to be something else than the Black Mamba jersey. But that is, that's my favorite Lakers jersey of all time. So I would love to see that one brought back. All right, guys, let's get into this. Since I was asked earlier in the show, if we could do a moment of the night or best play of the night, I think the LeBron reverse dunk was the play of the night. That was an incredible play. And it wasn't just because it was a LeBron James reverse dunk like that in and of itself. Amazing. But LeBron been dealing with a little bit of an ankle thing, right? A lot of people too were saying he's not the same guy anymore. Right? We saw that. We saw that. A lot of people saying, oh, the LeBron we saw in the playoffs, that's who he really is. Forget that he was recovering from a high ankle sprain at that time. 
Forget that that was a, a factor. He's just old, and that's just what he is, and he doesn't have the same lift anymore, and he can't do it. Explosive plays like that are a nice reminder that, yeah, he can. He can still do that. And I know it's ridiculous at his age that he's still able to do these things, but there was power to that. So much fluidity in the movement, and it was one of those uh, breathtaking dunks that you get out of LeBron James. So that was a great moment, certainly a highlight reel moment. We were robbed of a highlight reel moment on the over the head and one shot that got taken away by the officials. This one, nobody could take away. Great, great dunk from LeBron and certainly a highlight that I'm sure we're going to be seeing all season long. Somebody said, how is this dude LeBron still jumping like that? Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right, guys. Let's call it a night there. Appreciate everybody coming in. Appreciate all the super chats. Everybody coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure that you do leave a review as well. We definitely appreciate that. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Lakers take on the Rockets again on Tuesday. So we'll do another post-game show after that one. Hope everybody had a very happy Halloween and uh, and enjoyed it and also enjoyed a Lakers win. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.